Welcome to Investing Insights, partnered by Right Property Group. This is your host, Phil Tarrant. Okay, everyone, it's uh, Phil Tarrant here. Welcome to Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. I'm joined by my regular co-host from the Right Property Group directors, Steve Waters and Victor Kumar. How are you going, guys? Good, Phil. Well, mate, how are you going? All right. Um, how's the world of property? You guys are on the front line. You guys are excited about the current marketplace. You're nervous. You've got concerns, reservations, or you are, you're pretty bullish, Steve? I'm excited, to be honest with you. That sounded like a bit of a cliche, but look, this is... The environment that we're in at the moment is is something that we've been saying that is going to happen and should happen for probably the last 18 months. Uh, and from from a strategist and buyer's agency point of view, what it does is actually just gives us more choice because it gets rid of the, the pop-up expert, so to speak. You know, they're out of the, the market um, and it just gives us as investors more choice. So we're pretty excited about it. And at the end of the day, there, there is a lot of scaremongering going on, um, but let's be real, money's still cheap. You know, we've just got We've been used to cheaper, dangerously cheap, so to speak. So it's all good. Yeah, and this scenario has been here and uh, before as well. It's just dressed up differently this time around with the with the with this cycle. You've been there before, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah how long you guys been yeah. doing this? As a two thousand since two thousand. Mm. Okay, so so yeah, a few marketplaces mm. all over the all over the mm. all over Australia. Yeah. But yeah, once again, I I just really think that yeah, people have got to pull their head in a little bit. This is. It, it's not this is normality the sky's not falling in yeah it's it's not bad at all so so the doom and gloom merchant so my question to you is it always a good time to buy property it is always a good time to buy property if you have the fundamentals in place and, and part of that is finance mm-hmm. more so than ever now and that you have your risk mitigation in place and the numbers work absolutely so you guys are out there you're seeing a lot of opportunities popping up now for good or better buys than what we've seen previously? How do you measure that? Um, I don't think there's, there's certainly not more property on the market. What mm. there is, is uh, there are more days on market. So the craziness has gone out of the market, especially in uh, in Sydney, in the outer areas, perhaps the Western corridors. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and a bit North and South. Certainly the craziness has gone out of the Brisbane market as well, which is good. Um, and by days on market, I mean, instead of something selling in three days or before it even reaches the general public, yeah, we've usually got sort of 15 to hmm. sort of 20 days now, which is which is reasonable, as long as it's priced well. Uh, and we can press a little harder in terms of negotiation, you know, whether it be just on terms and, uh, sorry, on the dollar amount or if it's terms and conditions, which is, you know, once again, finance, longer cool-off periods, longer mm-hmm. finance clauses, all helps. And, and just, just to uh, go further on that, certainly the values aren't coming back. It's, it's not that the properties are starting to devalue. It's just that there are less buyers in the market that can qualify for finance. And therefore, the frenzy is gone out of the market. Uh, and you're still paying um, for properties that are what they're worth, as opposed to um, in, say, uh, a year ago, where people were paying money hand over fist just to get into the, uh, get into the market. And that's what's really changed. So instead of getting 40 people in an open home, uh, the agents are probably getting 14 people in an open home well they're having to work now, yeah that's they? right yeah. they're not selling yeah. themselves which is good but there are having said all of that there there is certain parts of the market that perhaps have come back and rightly the so because they were overvalued mm. to begin with because of the stupidity or the craziness in the mm. market um off the plans i think if you're looking to settle an off the plan in the in the immediate future um so you know, start thinking about plan b mm. especially if it's perhaps in an area that has come back a little bit and the same with house and land packages if you're an investor so we're talking about investor investors here more so than homeowners because as we all know investor finance is, is tightening every single day whether that be in terms of serviceability or LVR position so you need to have 
that mitigation in place or a plan B, mm. which is what you should always have anyway. So, so to summarise, greater powers being put back into the hand of the buyer. Of the buyer, absolutely. Okay, so in these type of markets, um, investors, obviously it's very innate to you because you do it every single day, but uh, for, for your investor in the market uh, looking to buy right now, is there anything in particular they should be keeping in mind? Just push harder potentially or, or look at how else you can structure deals? Well, the first thing is that you need to make sure that you absolutely qualify for finance. You know, Just because the bank said two months ago that you know uh, finance will be not an issue doesn't mean that finance won't be an issue uh, two months later. So that's the very first thing that you need to do. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, push a little bit harder in terms of uh, pricing. Maybe start a little bit lower or put different terms on the, on the, on the contracts uh, because you've got less competition, less people um, competing for the same property uh, because realistically there are less buyers that are as assertive as um, someone that's finance ready. Good tips. Um, uh, a big focus of the, the series of podcasts we've been doing for the Investing Insights of the Right Property Group, Victor, has been around the acquisition phase of property. So we'll be very focused. And if you haven't uh, looked through some of the episodes that we've done in the past, um, they're, they're very much about how, where, what to buy. Um, we haven't really touched too much on, you know, you accumulate this this property portfolio that mm-hmm. hopefully is uh, delivering good cash and, and capital growth. Um, but we haven't really sort of focused on the end game. So when do you stop and why do you stop and what happens after that? So I really want to just pick your brain today and Steve's brain today on um, on this. And, you know, you, you work with a lot of clients and uh, you work quite intimately with them in, in the acquisition phase. But have you had many clients get to the end of their property investment journey and have said, okay, that's enough for me and uh, let's plan for that? How does that work? Yeah, it, it does. And it comes back right to the beginning um, where we've set out a goal and we've gone out to acquire the properties to achieve the goals. And along the way, uh, we've corrected the cash flow by either stopping from buying or adding a secondary dwelling or buying a particular type of property, whether it is to boost our equity or to boost our cash flow. Uh, And then there comes a point in time where you need to seriously sit down and say, okay, do we stop now? Uh, and, and where is this all leading to? Because it can be very addictive. And, and uh, what, what you'll find is that you sort of think that, okay, I, I have to buy another property now because it's been a quarter, it's been six months, been a year uh, for some of the more addicted ones, been, been a week. Um, but uh, it, there comes a point of time where you actually need to uh, physically sit down and work out where is this all heading to um, and, and actually correct it to the market, address it uh, in terms of your end goals. And change strategies or implement the the uh, add-on strategies to actually start uh, either consolidating which which i'm which i mean uh, in terms of cash flow uh, or to actually uh, look at um, paying all of the loans down so that you're actually getting to your end income and and a lot of people actually lose sight of that and and they get caught up in the frenzy of buying and they're forever buying and you hit retirement age and you've still got uh, massive debt around you um, or um, you know you've made a few mistakes because you then start becoming a lit, little bit too uh, bulletproof in your opinion um, and, and start buying the wrong types of properties or start speculating because you had several wins uh, in a row uh, and it's really important to actually um, step back and, and relook at things. So a big, big part with the end game is that uh, and we've spoken about it in the past um, it's about goal setting from the absolute get-go. So building Absolutely. a portfolio with an end game in mind. Mm. And I think a lot of the traps, Steve, that people fall into is that they just organically end up with a, a, a property investment portfolio and they haven't put too much thought into 
what they choose or plan to do with that in the future. So it comes back to building a portfolio from the start, which which is always with a view of the end game in mind. Um, I know from experience, I've started buying properties and my goals have changed quite a lot since when I started because you do more of it, you get more confident, you understand the market, you understand. Yeah. So your 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 overall goal, the, the goalpost keeps changing, but... Because the, the education changes. Because the education changing. Mm. So, so how do you Any balance scenario? these? Look, I, how do you balance it? Mm. Um, look, the way that we put things together as an investor, um, myself and, and Vic, and the types of properties we buy allow us to have that flexibility as our lives change, as our situations change, as the price of money changes, you know, the, the whole environment changes. By the types of properties we have, which have relatively good cash flow, they're affordable, we can move with the market. Mm. And our end goal, or, or when we decide to perhaps cash out of a particular area, um, whether it be in a good time or in a good market or a bad market, our strategy allows us to do that, or the property type allows us to do that. So if we come all the way back to the beginning, that's even before goals, is actually identifying what sort of strategy and what your your limits are. Um, and then, of course, there's the, the property type, which ties in with that. But the goal is about the cash it derives for you at the end of the day, because it, that's what you that's what you live on. You don't live on equity, you live on cash flow. So you need to have a very clear plan, and we've talked about that in the the earlier podcasts on, on how to get there. And one of the things I keep keep um, reiterating to my clients is that you got to um, uh, divorce the two, the equity and the cash flow. Equity is wealth, but cash flow is lifestyle. And we want the lifestyle. Yeah, the, the, the wealth can happen in the background. So the focus should always be to free up the, um, the cash flow from the portfolio so it comes directly to you. Now, uh, obviously, it's not going to happen overnight, and you may have um, uh, glitches along the way, such as the GFC, which, uh, you know, if you're prepared for it uh, and, and uh, stuck to the fundamentals. It's a hugely profitable a, yeah, point in time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it just needs to be fluid with where the market is, where your life is, and um, certainly coming back and reviewing your goals over and over again uh, to keep it relevant. Because, you know, you could have started out with stars in your eyes and say, no, I want to earn $250,000 out of my portfolio. But five years down the track, it might not be relevant anymore. Uh, it, it could be that you know, you've started a business um, and, and therefore cash flow is no longer an issue. Or the other side of it is you, you could have brought forward your retirement and therefore the 250 is no longer relevant. You want to get to say 100K to fund your, your early retirement in that sense. Yeah? And, I, and I say the word retirement in inverted commas, of course, because each person's definition of retirement is very different. And, and this is the challenge. Everyone's circumstances is mm. is, is very different. Um, you know, my view with property investment, and, and we speak about this a lot on this podcast, is why do you invest in property? You invest in property for wealth creation, right? You That's know, right. Uh, there's a lot of benefits with it also. Like, it's quite good fun. You know, it's challenging and all this sort of stuff. But why do you invest in property? You don't do it. Mm. You know, you do it to make some money, right? But And going to your point. And it's not equity, a hobby. Yeah. Equity, equity is um, is wealth, mm. and cash flow is is a lifestyle. So, uh, you want to be able to balance as you accumulate property a lifestyle which you enjoy, mm -hmm. but with the with the um, creation of wealth over time. So, That's right. people's end game is always going to be very different. So, we're speaking about uh, say at a point in time you choose I want to I want to be retired now, which means I don't want to work, but mm -hmm. I'll need money to live. So, my property investment portfolio should be generating me income, uh, so I can live. So. When you get to your end game, uh, what are the options available to you? So you can either sell down your whole portfolio and get cashed up and travel the world. Mm -hmm. You can sell off some of it to pay down your debt so you have no mortgage whatsoever. 
or you might want to be completely debt free so you have a, an asset which you can pass down to your children and your children's children and create generational wealth so mm-hmm. balancing what to do with this in your end game is 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 quite it's quite a personal thing very much so yeah and and, and one person's um, view on that would be very different to to someone else mm. um, the reality is and, and and this is something I need to flag well up front is that when you do sell a property there is a tax event so you know you got to pay tax so you got to plan that and also when you're selling a property you're also selling all of the future capital gains with it yeah so uh, you can't uh, take that lightly however nothing beats holding the property long term because over a period of time any property that you've bought that is that that ticks all the fundamental boxes will become cash positive um, and and will become quite equity rich. Uh, so one of the fundamental ways of getting to your end game is to actually hold it, hold the property long term and making sure that it's not costing you an arm and a leg to hold it long term uh, and you're able to weather uh, the um, changes in finance, changes in the market, changes in your lifestyle um, uh, along the way as well. Um, and, and one of the things that I do and Steve does is um, we sit down with our clients and, and uh, we correct the portfolio along the way to cater for this so that we are always looking forward towards the towards the end as to when the um, uh, cash flow is neutral or positive or or the loans are fully paid out but we 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 use milestones so a good example would be that if we have um, uh, set up a negative cash flow tolerance of say $500 a week in the portfolio when it reaches $450 or $500, we need to actually stop buying and let it consolidate, let time do its magic, or um, find a way of boosting the cash flow, whether it is via regular rent reviews, whether it's by restructuring your loans, whether it is uh, by um, you know, doing a secondary dwelling to um, neutralize the negative cash flow, so, so finding that $500 extra per week within the portfolio, uh, and then You've, you've then got a stable portfolio, a stable platform from where you can look forward and say, okay, what do I do next? What most people tend to do is when they hit that, that um, um, threshold, first of all, they haven't identified the threshold, so therefore they, they wake up and say, okay, uh, my lifestyle's being impacted because of my properties, and then they have to sell down. So they haven't thought it out through in that sense. And that's, I think, in my opinion, that's one of the um, prime reasons why a lot of investors, they start out really well, but they haven't played the full game. And it's important to, to, to last the full game. Well, if we talk about the now, and yeah. going back to your earlier comments about how the environment's changed, more specifically, what the, the money envi- finance environment is, there are going to be a, a whole heap of investors out there that are going to be in a world of pain in the next... A couple well, of months, really. Well, a yeah. couple of months all the way up to maybe even a couple of years where, as a really good example, is they come off their interest-only mm. terms into P&I and they don't service. Yep. Um, purely because they haven't done their projections correctly to begin with. They've, you know, they've done it at 3.99% interest rates at interest only. They haven't forward projected that, that that's not normality um, and that it will roll over into principal and interest and that the cost of money will go up and they haven't had a threshold to begin with. They didn't, they didn't establish that threshold mm. to begin with. So they're going to be in a world of pain. And as someone who, um, or investors that have actually taken care of business and have made those future projections, they might be picking up some property at, at a discounted rate, all things being fair and equal. But So we're talking about, on one hand, to retire the debt, 
buy or create a portfolio, keep half, sell half is, is probably the easiest way, but that happens over a period of, you know, a long period of mm -hmm. time. Um, and there's nothing wrong with a long period of time. Or there is other ways where you can be perhaps a little bit more involved, should we say, in trying to retire debt. Now, we use this, this term retire debt because for, for myself and for Vic, the best asset that you can have is one with no debt. That, that way you are in full control. Now, there are some strategies out there and some investors out there and advisors that say, look, debt's okay, as long as it's within its boundaries of cash flow. And as Vic said, you know, income will go up over 10, 20, 30 years. And if the debt stays relevantly the same, well, then you're in a positive scenario. Yep, there's nothing wrong with that strategy. It's just not it's just not our strategy. Yeah. Our strategy is actually about some point in time retiring the debt because, as I said, you're in full con full control and not having to wait the 30, 40 years. Yeah. To do that. So, yeah. so the other way is so to you can manufacture the retirement. Yeah. Manufacture it. Yeah. Correct. So, so a couple of terms that we're using here, which our, our listeners not, might not be familiar with, and and I'll get back to retiring debt. But to your um your point beforehand, Victor, can you explain to our listeners? You said that all properties will become cash positive at a point in time. Mm -hmm. Can you just explain that yeah. dynamic? Sure. I, I'll just use a, uh, my very first property that I bought, right? So um, I bought in Currents Hill, which is a suburb um, uh, in the council area of Camden in New South Wales. Um, and that was my first owner-occupied property. I bought that 437000 um, Three-bedroom house, brick veneer, uh, was about 15 years old at that time. Uh, and I bought that in 1998. Um, I moved out of that house in... Um, uh, 2006 um, and uh, rented that out it got $285 a week rent at that time its value was 340 right, so it had done well um, instinctively I had chosen well because I was a migrant and, and I wanted to be close to infrastructure and all the sort of stuff right so things that we look for normally in an investment property so it worked out by default now today that property is worth 600k my rent on that uh, which it currently is vacant, and I'm asking $430 a week just to get a tenant in really quickly. The market rent there is $450. Steve's laughing because I had to drop $20. Um, uh, so the market rent there is $450. So if, let, if we assume $450 and, and we assume the original debt of $137,000, that's massively positive cash flow mm. in its own right. Yeah. So, uh, But that's because it's 18-odd years have gone by, and the property has gone through two property cycles at the very least. And that's the secret is you've got to hold the property through at least one property cycle for it to mature before you'll start seeing the true uh, rewards of, of your uh, of your labor. And that's uh, only if you buy it right. To yeah, that's right. Yeah, It, it could, it comes be, back it could to, be two yeah. cycles mm -hmm. you know, if you've bought it incorrectly or at the top of the market. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, and and that that's what uh, that's what I mean by uh, it becoming uh, cash positive uh, over a period of time. Yeah, and as Steve said, you buy it well to begin with, buy it in the right areas that are investment grade areas, um, and uh, making sure that there's infrastructure going, there's increasing population. It is within, depending on the property cycle, within the metropolitan area or a a center of influence, and just then hold it for long term. Mm. And we've spoken in some of the previous podcasts around what those fundamentals are, so mm. make sure you go back and check them out. Steve, just to um to pick you up on one of your terminology you've used, and it's about retiring debt. Mm. So this means that you don't have debt on the property. That you've paid it out. Okay. Yep, you hold title. Mm. Or at the very least, you might have a dollar, as yep. an example, but have a massive offset or line of credit or redraw so that you've got liquidity within that asset. Because that's that's important as well. Okay, so so let's go through the ways that you, re you can retire. You can, temporarily, you can temporarily retire debt by having an offset against it. So it means that you don't pay any 
interest on it. Yeah, if you're going to go, yeah, correct. But if you're going to go that path to retire the debt but have the offset, that's probably not the best product to mm. have. You'd, you'd probably want to redraw or something like that or a line yeah. of credit. Okay. Yep. And not on all, not across every property, maybe yeah. just one or two to give you enough liquidity. Mm. Yeah. So how else can you retire debt? So not have debt on a property. Well, we've we've talked about time in mm. the market maybe two, three, four, five cycles, whatever it may be, so that you actually create a portfolio big enough to each, to reach your income goal. Which sort of answers the question, when is the right time to buy property? Mm. Exactly. Last year. Last yeah. year yeah. or the year before, yeah. Yeah. 2000. That's right. <laughs> but by manufacturing, so our last uh, podcast episode was about manufacturing mm. equity, I think, off memory. You can actually do what we call chunk deals, which is essentially manufacturing equity, but on a larger scale. So hopefully when it comes time to to retire your debt and you want to use this method you've got a bit of experience behind you you so you can renovate you can subdivide um or you've got the team to do it for you and perhaps even develop now i'm not talking rows of townhouses or units because that's that's a that's a little bit sort of too Different far game. Yeah. yeah but you know if, if we go back to um some of the the recent larger equity uh purchases that we've done so there was a uh, a, a small block of units that we purchased in the western corridor of, of Sydney, you know, probably five or six years mm -hmm. back now, and we strata subdivided them. Now, that made one massive equity on the way in, plus the growth was there. Now, if that's all we ever did, we could sell those, take the profit, and then throw it against one of the other mortgages we had to be an unencumbered position or, mm -hmm. you know, 30% LVR, or do a renovation like a big renovation and sometimes it's not a matter of well let's do the renovation today let's look for the product today or the property today to do the renovation because they may not be there it's about actually timing the market and i think earlier on mm. either you or i said vic about the gfc was actually a fantastic time to make money it was it wasn't because property was necessarily cheap even though it was it was because things were more negotiable we made our money on the way in mm. so you know, we were doing blocks of units and Absolutely. townhouses and half burnt down properties and termite damaged properties which we love as a side note but we were able to manufacture massive equity instantly via smart renovations because there's always a buyer at the right price on a finished product so to speak so creating these chunks of money obviously net chunks of money because there's tax involved and what a tax event, as Victor called it, we could then throw that against lines, credit offsets, redraws, whatever it may be, to reduce the LVR, therefore improve the cash flow to a point that we were comfortable with, mm. whatever that may have been at the time. It's about being patient. It's about having the, the flexibility within your portfolio and your cash flow and liquidity to be able to take advantages of those events when they when they arise. When they happen. Yep. So, so Victor, what's your thoughts on, can you retire debt by paying off your loan principal interest or it just takes way too long and you never get there? Yeah, it, it, it takes way too long mm. um, because if you if you look at and, and if you Google this, um, how principal and interest work, usually when you take out a loan, the first five years of a principal and interest loan, you're paying more of the interest than the principal component anyway. Mm. It's only uh, after the 15th year onwards that you're really on a, on a yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we're starting to make significant dent in the principal mm. uh, amount. So it takes way too much time, and you could do this a lot faster. Although it is a lot more inefficient in that sense by doing the chunk deals. Inefficient in the sense that yes, you've got to pay tax along the way, but you know, don't lose a, lose the sight of the fact that you are only paying tax because you're making money. Yeah, and and this is what people get, it gets lost on people. Um, that you know, I can't sell a property, or I can't uh, do a buy, renovate, or sell, or, or do a construction because I'm going to pay too much tax. The ways of minimizing tax get advice up front to minimize the tax legally, and uh, you know you've made money, so you're paying tax. 
that that's how the world goes around. So, so this all sounds really complicated to me, right? Mm. We're talking about a lot of different concepts and, and theories. When you're planning for an end game, so you obviously want to have people are planning for retirement mm. and you want a nice retirement. So what is the best way to work out how to go about doing this? Is it about having a number, a dollar value that you want to comfortably retire on passive income? Should that be your, your benchmark and build your strategy around that number? Yeah, I, I always uh, advocate that you, you try and um, uh, pick a goal that is very close to your gross income, your PAYG income in that sense, because that's a number that you are, uh, it's tangible to you, relate mm. with that number. Uh, so it's not something that you've plucked out of the sky to say that, uh, you know, um, I want a million dollars. It doesn't work because, mm. you know, we don't connect with it. Yet if we said, um, you know, I want to have $150,000 in cash flow and that's your current income, um, that's something you're relating to. And you can then quite comfortably say that, okay, I can get to this number by doing X, Y, and Z. And that X, Y, and Z depends on how much capital you've got right now, your borrowing capacity, your ability to make decisions, and, and then that revolves around what the market's doing, what's going to happen in your life, such as, you know, are you going to start a family uh, or are you going to change jobs along the way? Are you going to take a step back in terms of income and all this sort of stuff? So mm. that needs to get realigned. Then you need to build a baseline of properties um, so that it is um, it becomes your cornerstone. And uh, what what people tend to do wrong is they jump in and they start wanting to do the chunk deals or the the subdivisions or the developments, the small developments, uh, right from the wood uh, go. Uh, and these can have a tendency of going wrong if the market goes against you. So mm. if it takes too long or um, you know your trades um, are, are taking way too long or you hit a, hit a snag with counsel, uh, then because you've got a baseline portfolio in place, it can actually... Um, rescue you in that sense or if a gfc comes along you've got the cash flow behind you you've got the asset behind you so that you're not dependent a hundred percent on the outcome of the property that you're doing right now if you've got the support behind you and that's that's really important that you you look at it this way and as you're building the portfolio in terms of your baseline along the way you need to do mini consolidations now one of the mini consolidations you actually stop buying for a little while um the other is to sit down and do a review to make sure that you re you're really dealing with real numbers and not pie in the sky stuff, and you're not fudging the numbers so that it makes you feel good. I mean, we do this on a daily basis, time. Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and once you've done that, it may be that um, uh, you know you need to correct the cash flow before you move any further. So you're resetting, um, and that could be something as simple as building a granny flat on a property that was specifically bought with a future in mind to say that when my cash flow reaches this level, I will then bring forward this construction and uh, therefore negate some of the negative cash flow in my portfolio. Um, and, and the trick is to time that absolutely right. Um, and uh, the timing of that, of course, comes from regular reviews of your portfolio and regular reviews of a goal and still looking forward, say, at least 18 months to say, okay, where am I going to be in 18 months in terms of lending and liquidity in my portfolio? Mm. So, Steve, question for you. How do you, how do you stay the course? So you, you start investing in property with a, a plan to create 
some passive income and, and, and wealth uh, in the future. Uh, and you embark down that path and you grow and evolve, your education gets better, you become more sophisticated as an investor. Uh, so there's a lot of things that you can control, but there's also a lot of things that you're just a victim of circumstance. So mm. the market changes. Um, how do you how do you stay on path, but also flexible and nimble enough to, to change with the market? So you're not swapping and changing strategies. And you see people do this all the time. Yeah. You know, what, what's your recommendations for our listeners on just, just staying true to the course? I'm a big believer in hanging around people that are that are actually you know, buoyant, for want of a better word, and mm. are doing what you want to do, or perhaps they've done what you want to do. So don't be the negative, uh, don't hang around negative merchants. And, no. Uh, yeah. And look, no. Don't, don't hang around don't hang around the negative people now that doesn't mean that conservative people are negative um, you know I'm, I'm conservative but mm. I'm certainly not neg- negative but enable but to be in a position where you can ride the market out or, or ride different circumstances within your life you actually need to be a little bit prepared for that and and, and future proof which I think was another mm. subject yep. we've done on the podcast by having the surplus cash flow available by having liquidity within your assets so that if things do change you're not going to be a victim of that point in time by having to sell at the worst possible time and be a desperate seller. so always have contingencies always have a potential always yeah. always be in the strong position no matter what the market's doing and, yeah. and cash flow is king and and liquidity is king so that's something you can control really is you cash can flow, control right? you can control that. cash flow buying the right properties and having the right uh, loan structure, the mm. right entities, having a bit of foresight because not everything for the rest of your investing life will be good. Mm. There are going to be hard times there. There are going to be changes in the market. Now is a perfect example of changes in, in the market, be it all finance. So those that perhaps were scrambling to get some liquidity now, you may have missed the boat. You should have been doing this six months ago because all the writing was on the wall, mm. but you chose to roll the dice. And you can't afford to roll the dice with liquidity and, and, and cash flow. It's just a dangerous scenario. Sooner or later, you will get beaten. And it's just not worth that gamble. But I th- And I think coming back, Victor mentioned something else earlier on about consolidation. Sometimes the best way to make money is to actually do nothing. Mm. Mm. There's a point in time. Well, I've been through a period where we didn't buy for a couple of years. And Absolutely. Brilliant on our portfolio, you know, just went up in value. I know, right? You know, and our deposition didn't change because we weren't refinancing. Absolutely. So. And you don't have to buy all mm. the time. And sometimes when you get bored and you force the numbers, that's when you actually lose money. So sometimes yeah. consolidation is actually pretty cool. So what do you do, Victor, when it all starts going wrong or you shouldn't really be in that position if you're connected enough to your portfolio? Absolutely. You shouldn't be in that position to begin with. Mm. Yeah. But if, if it does start unraveling, don't bury your head in the sand. Um, you need to start seeking recommendation and advice of experts someone that's been in the market for a few cycles not someone that's just come in this cycle mm. um, and um, uh, you know they'll be able to guide you through that through that maze because a lot of times the the solution is pretty obvious people panic and people people start um, you know uh, selling down because they haven't thought all of the options through. Sometimes it's just as simple as restructuring all the debt uh, or, um, uh, like I said in the earlier example, just bringing forward a construction to ease out things. Mm. Um, Generally, um, it it starts unraveling when you haven't been in touch with the portfolio, haven't been, uh, you know, it's a set and forget. Property investing is not set set and forget. forget. It's not passive. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So just be proactive, take control. Absolutely, yep. From the from the beginning, mm. and and like if you talk about a worst case scenario, you know, dare I say it, 
a really good example in today's environment would be that if you've got to cross-securitize your portfolio to get some liquidity out of it, if that's the worst thing that you've got to do, sure. so be it. Mm. Yeah, because at least you get to hang on to the portfolio if it's a good performing mm. or well-performing portfolio and just you know, cash flow and liquidity yeah. is a bit of a, an issue at the moment because the trick is longevity. We all, Everyone says it. Every strategist will say that it's actually time in the market as well as timing the market. And so the longer you can control your portfolio, the better off you'll be. And a, and a good example is look at the GFC. Those that sold during the GFC because it wasn't from a lack of equity, it was a lack of cash flow that made them sell. If they had have somehow controlled those properties till today, as long as they're in, if we talk about any of the major uh, major areas, metro areas, that they would have been doubled in value. Yeah, so, so I was going to say, how do we summarise this chat because we're running out of time and one would be, your end game is about controlling property for as long as possible. Which gives you choice. Which gives you choice and to your point, Victor, um, if you need to sell property, you there is a tax consequence. Absolutely. However, you're selling off future capital gains. Mm-hmm. So that's the, you're selling off potential benefits in the future. That's true. So yeah. That's a key thing. So, so, so when we're thinking about the end game, I guess we can summarize that everyone's end game is different. Mm-hmm. Everyone's end game is going to be based on what they plan and choose and hope to do uh, at a point in time when they choose to liquidate or stop buying. And try not to make it exciting once you've got your portfolio in place. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it boring. Yeah. Keep it boring. Yep. Yeah. It's the way to go. Anything else to finalize, finish up with? I think we've probably yeah. done that pretty good justice, actually. Yep. Yeah, yeah, gone over time again. Gone over time, but um, it just you know there there is to to me listening to this conversation, um, uh, there is a lot of moving parts, and yeah, there is things that you can control, things you can't control, and um, concentrating on those things that you can control. But um, you know, I think it's beneficial to actually seek advice from people who who are in this game. I think um, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy that I don't have to do this myself because uh, there are some people who have been doing this for many many years uh better than me you guys included you you're my buyer's agent uh who give me a lot of advice and insights so um but focus on the end game but don't don't be uh, i guess blinkered or, or or have what do you call it channel vision by mm-hmm. just tunnel. only yeah. the tunnel vision by looking at the end game yeah. so stay in touch with your portfolio good um if our listeners need to know any more information about you guys victor where do they do where do they go uh, they can reach out to us on our facebook page right okay. property group r-i-g-h-d uh, or uh, send us an email, questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. Brilliant. And, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Yes, it's uh, it's great. And keep those reviews coming. We do, we do appreciate them. Uh, even if you have, uh, as Victor said, um, uh, any topics you'd like us to cover, do get in touch and uh, and uh, we'll consider them for sure. It's great. Thank you. Thank we'll you. We'll be back again next Thank time. You, mate. Remember to check out all the other previous podcasts. Uh, there's a good series of them right now and they uh, range from uh, our most recent one, which was Manufacturing Equity, which is a, a great um uh, a great tactic all the way through to uh, houses versus units, um, you know, what is the right type of property. So thanks. We'll be back. See you. Bye-bye.